Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. All right, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name is Led Ross. This episode is titled, What the Heck Happened to the Banks in the Last Few Weeks? I've been meaning to drop this episode earlier, but I've only just got around to recording it now. There's been a lot of turmoil in the banking industry around the world, and it's freaking people out, which is um, quite understandable if you don't have a financial education or you don't understand what's going on, and that's the purpose of this particular episode. So I'm going to explain to you what's happening in the banking sector as well as I know it and explain to you why there's nothing to worry about and explain to you some worst case outcomes so you can definitely sleep at night and also just maybe impart to you a lesson about financial education and why this is important to continue your education. So what happened to the banks in a nutshell is this, okay, as I understand it, there's a regional bank issue in the United States, not a big bank issue. So a regional bank are the smaller banks, okay? And how this kicked off um, is that Silicon Valley Bank, um, which is a bank that where typically, as I understand it, a lot of um, tech, Silicon Valley type businesses where they put a lot of their deposits, where they place a lot of their spare cash um, for various reasons. But I dare say it's because it's... Um, you know, it's a network effect of that's what everyone does, so that's what we're doing. And also, they've probably got some simple regulations in the bank that allow ease and flow of capital in and out of there. But what's really fascinating is Silicon Valley Bank is like a 40-year-old bank. It's actually the, I think it's the second largest bank failure in the United States in recent history um, behind Lehman Brothers. It's not a, it's, it's a, it's a large regional bank. And the reason why it failed is because when, when the, uh, the tech businesses placed their deposit into the bank. The bank had a lot of cash and it was growing very fast because the tech businesses were growing quite quickly in the United States in the last few years. And it had to actually, so it couldn't lend the money out. It couldn't lend the money out fast enough for new loans, which is what banks are supposed to do. So what it does, what a bank will do is it would take the, the cash and it would buy treasury bonds, okay, which are effectively riskless um, bonds. And what was happening, though, is the bank was buying the bonds when interest rates were at record lows, <laughs> which means it was paying top dollar for its bonds, um, which sucks when you have to sell them when rates go up. <laughs> so what's happened is um, the bank didn't hedge against interest rate risk. So when, when interest rates are going up, the bond values are falling, and the banks, certain regional banks in America, they don't have to report what's called mark to market of their bonds they they only have to report i think held for sale value so that you couldn't see that the values of the bonds were falling in real time so they weren't marking to market the values so what happened was <clears throat> um there people started taking out some some of their money because of the the change in the tech environment so that a lot of businesses were starting to need extra cash so they started to take their money out 
And what Silicon Valley had to do, the bank, they had to sell these mortgage bonds that they bought. And they had to sell them at a loss, a, a big loss, because as rates went up, the value of the bonds that they held fell. And because they didn't have enough spare cash to, to give people their deposits back, they had to sell these assets in a liquid fire sale to, to facilitate the deposits being given back. And when that happened, the bank took on heavy losses. And then it got out that they didn't have enough liquidity to pay the depositors. And of course, when that type of fear and contagion hits the marketplace, anyone with money in the bank would have run to the bank, which you saw in the news, trying to get their money out. That's called a bank run. And bank runs happen through fear and panic. <laughs> and unfortunately for that bank, um, it, it effectively went into liquidation. It had to go bankrupt. So they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And um, thankfully, a lot of those depositors got their money back um, because they, they closed trading in the bank. Um, but what's fascinating is that anyone in the United States who's got $250,000 or less uh, in in the bank. FIDIC is an insurer uh, for bank runs, and it will actually you'll always get your your two hundred fifty thousand dollars back uh, in, in a bank. And we have the same laws in Australia. They're, we have deposits in Australian banks up to two hundred fifty k that's that's um, guaranteed by the government. So those things are in place to prevent bank runs and panic of smaller investors and smaller depositors, which is most people, right? So that's what prevents bank runs. Um, and, and the banking industry is very regulated. But what the heck happened to Silicon Valley Bank that actually created this? And so here's it in a nutshell. What happened was they didn't manage their interest rate risk. They should have hedged and they didn't, which was unusual. And I think what if I've learned from some of like the CEO of Commonwealth Bank, they interviewed him and he said, you know, he thinks that that happened because the smaller banks were trying to get around regulation so that they actually didn't have to engage as much costs, regulatory costs, which made them more nimble and able to keep up with the bigger banks. And in that whole process, they stopped the basic regulations of interest rate risk hedging. They, um, you know, they just, they didn't do the basics which was bad. So it was it was a managerial problem at the bank um, because they were trying to compete with the bigger banks, right? So that's what happened to that bank. And then what happened with Credit Suisse recently, it just got bought out by UBS, which is another um, big Swiss bank, the other big one. It's more of an investment bank. So it bought Credit Suisse, I believe it's like two billion, some, some really crazy number, really cheap. They had to buy it to bail it out. Now, the reason why Credit Suisse fell apart is because after the Silicon Valley Bank went under, people were looking for the next weakest target. And the next weakest target was probably Credit Suisse because it's had a lot of problems. And so people thought, well, maybe they can't pay the depositors. Maybe they can't pay uh, you know, the dividends. Maybe the bank's in trouble. We're just going to start selling our shares. And all of a sudden, the shares tanked, fell like 60, 70, 80, 90% or something. And um, it ended up having to you know, go through a fire sale. The government had to step in and uh, and, and basically orchestrate the deal with UBS and change the legislation for that to happen. So all the equity owners, the people who own shares in Credit Suisse just got absolutely hammered and pummeled. And that's why you got to be careful. If you're buying individual shares in individual companies, you have to understand what you own. <laughs> and it blows me away how many people don't know what they own. So um, as a person who's in Australia, the difference between the regional banks in the United States or the banks in general in the United States and Australia is this. Australian banks are the most well-capitalized in the world. They're probably the top four or in the top five most capitalized banks in the world, meaning they've got a lot of capital, more than they, way more than they need, which is a bit of a shame if you're a bank owner of shares um, like I am because they can't put their capital to work as well, but extremely safe. 
Um, the other thing is that we've got the guaranteed of deposits. So if you've got 250000 or less in a bank, the government will guarantee that to come to you if the bank fails, right? But the banks are so well capitalized and they don't, when people put money, I did a reel on this the other day. If you go to my Instagram, you can check out the reel. Um, but the banks uh, in Australia, they, they lend money. So when they, they take on deposits, they use those deposits to lend money. They don't just go and buy treasury bonds. They have a huge ability to lend money to mums and dads and so forth who want to borrow money to buy a house. So they're really owners of real estate, okay? They're big mortgage owners, uh, mortgage suppliers. So that's what banks here do. And also in Australia, we're regulated by the one regulator, APRA. And APRA regulates all the banks, whereas in the United States, they have multiple regulators at a state level and federal level. Um, so that these types of regulations can be missed. But at the same time, the banks in the United States, the big ones like Citigroup and Bank of America and JP Morgan Chase and so forth, they're all extremely well-capitalized banks. Um, you know, So if you have your money in there, you, you're pretty pretty safe. It's in Australia, very safe. Like it would, you, I could not see how there could be a bank run in this country. The banks are too well capitalized. They hedge. They're, all their interest rate risk is hedged. So if they needed to call on capital to actually fund all, a lot of deposits being taken out, they could do it, and they wouldn't have to go through a fire sale to do it. So, you know, they survived the GFC pretty well unscathed, really unscathed, which is incredible. So. Australian banks are just, yeah, it's just not what you think it is. So you have to be careful and you have to, and I wrote this in our newsletter. And by the way, if you're not subscribed to my new newsletter, um, then you will want to be. (laughs) So I better put in the show notes, I'll put the uh, link to subscribe to the newsletter um, in here as well. But I spoke about, um, what was I going to say? What did I speak about? Something very important that now I've forgotten. doesn't matter. Uh, so, oh yes, of course, the signal and the noise. So you see, you pick up the news, you're like, oh my God, there's bank runs, the bank's going to fail. And all the crypto bros come out of the woodwork, go, yeah, fuck, the dollar's fucked, blah, 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 right? And you're like, oh my God, this is just hectic. So it's it, a couple of regional banks that were mismanaged, they, they, did, they, they went under because they were completely mismanaged, okay? So it's like human error. <laughs> And so the big banks are fine. In fact, a lot of the big banks were giving deposits, um, billions in deposits to these other banks to help keep them steady. Um, so, in fact, Bank of America, I think they pulled in like, I don't know what the number is, billions in deposits from these other smaller banks. So they do really well. But in Australia, yeah, unscathed, not even not even a worry. But the what happens when you read the news is you freak out because you don't know these things. Right? And that's why that reel that I did the other day got so many views is because people were actually scared and they wanted some clarity around why our banks are different to those regional banks. So now you're listening to this, you're learning that they're completely different. And so you don't have to be worried. Like your money under 250K is guaranteed by the government to come to you, insured to come to you. Okay, so There's an insurance policy on it. So you don't have to worry about that. And the other thing, if you own equity in the banks, same sort of thing. Like it's just such, they're so well-regulated they're overregulated, so that when we go through uh, economic downturns and panics and recessions and you know GFCs, the banks are fine because we cannot stand to lose them. And even if one of them was teetering, they're so important to the financial fabric of Australia, the government would guarantee it and would bail it out. Like you just cannot let a bank of that of the caliber that we have here fail. Like you just would. They didn't even have to do it during the GFC. And that was the biggest banking failure in history. So. Uh, there's just nothing to worry about. So you've got to look for the signal 
beyond the noise. And that's what I spoke about in the newsletter. So the, the noise is, oh my God, the banks are failing. Oh my God, get your money out. Buy crypto, buy Bitcoin, see Bitcoin, blah, 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 blah. And that's the noise. But the signal is, wow, our banks are really well capitalized. Hmm. Perhaps while there's all this fear and panic going on and uncertainty and the bank pro- and the share prices of banks fall, maybe I'll top up my bank shares. That's the signal. And that's the type of thing that you want to go for when you're investing. Um, so like during the GFC, the Commonwealth Bank got down to $29 a share. And those who were picking up that bank at that price were absolutely in- very intelligent investors because they knew that the baby was being thrown out with the bathwater. And that's what happens in these uncertain times. If you have a financial education and you go and read a little bit or learn or listen to this podcast or read our newsletter and you learn, oh, the banks are great, then you can pick up opportunities when, whilst everyone's freaking out. So you want to go and buy the baby while it's being thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak. The signal beyond the noise, okay? So that's the lesson. And, and, and not to panic. I mean, it's just, it's just outrageous what some of the stuff you see. So I hope that clears up what happened to the banks. It's just some regional banks. Will there be a knock-on effect to other um, banks? Well, there already has been with Credit Suisse. Perhaps maybe Deutsche Bank, they're saying um, there can be a, a flow-on effect of this, like a domino effect a little bit. But at the big bank level, phew, yeah, it's just very, very, very remote that there would ever be serious bank runs on the major banks. Um, besides that, if you're an avid uh, manager of money, you don't have your banking, you don't have cash in the bank. Like I don't have, I don't have over two hundred fifty thousand cash in the bank. I have it in shares of good companies, or you might buy real estate, or you might buy, you know, bonds or something. You know, you, you're investing your money. It's not just sitting in the bank, right? Cash is trash. Over 250K, it's definitely trash because then it's not insured. So, you know, it's not about having tons of cash in a bank account either. So that's also how you can not even worry about it because your money's in tied up in assets, okay? So that's the other lesson to take away from this. So I hope that makes sense. Um, if you want to um, check out the newsletter, the link will be in the, in the, descri- in the, in the show notes. Um, but don't forget to um, to jump into our Facebook group, okay? I'm running a masterclass this week on investing uh, secrets, and I'm going to put it into our Facebook group, so you can go watch it in there. So make sure you join the Facebook group. And of course, grab my book if you haven't read it yet, Money Buys Happiness. Um, it's our latest book and uh, very popular. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And of course, if you want to share this podcast, thanks so much for those of you who are sharing it to your stories. Really appreciate you. We've got a ton of five-star reviews. We won an award award the other day. I didn't didn't mention that. That's now an award-winning podcast. So big thanks to Phil for putting us in the competition. We won a snobby award. If you want to see that in real life, go to my my reels and check it out. We we did a little recording. So, you know, we're we're now an award-winning podcast. So we won that, um, the category of um, business and marketing podcast. So that's really cool. So really excited, very proud. Our podcast is killing it, but thank you so much. We don't do ads in this podcast. It's a free podcast. We don't charge. There is no advertisement. And the the, the only way we can continue to do that is if you guys share and we can grow the audience organically through your selfless act of putting it on your stories, sending this link to a friend, whatever it is. So if you want to give this episode um, to a friend to say, hey, don't worry about the banks, send it to them, okay? And of course, I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode of Money Grows on Trees podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss. 